Good afternoon, and welcome to Citizen K, a weekly current affairs program featuring in-depth interviews and perspectives. I'm Kareem Mosna. This week on the show, a very generous gift of $533,000 from Bader Philanthropies will fund a local music program for marginalized youth for the next several years. We'll learn more about Systemic Kingston shortly. This past Sunday was Turtle Awareness Day, and we're going to grow in our turtle awareness as I share my conversation with Tara Bauer, the director of Turtles Kingston, coming up. But first, we start right here on campus. Summer orientation for academics and resources is going on right now here at Queen's University. It's aimed at easing the transition for incoming first-year students. We begin our coverage of SOAR with a conversation with Student Life Director Meg Ferryman. SOAR, a great opportunity, right, for students who are just starting their journey here at Queen's to, um, yeah, well, tell me a little bit more about what some of what's offered here for these brand new students to Queen's. Sure. So SOAR, which is Summer Orientation to Academics and Resources, is our one-day summer orientation program. And so students can come and get to know about the services and supports available to them. They get to meet a friend uh, and also get to connect with some of the professors that will be teaching them their first-year classes. Well, how exciting is that? I mean, it's got to be uh, intimidating, you know, I know even from personal experience to move to a whole new area, um, you know, may, may make that transition from high school to university. Uh, so is, is that also a sort of uh, some help here with making that, that transition? Yeah, absolutely. That's a big focus of all of our um, undergraduate summer transition programming is to ease any anxiety that students have, any worries they have, and make sure they have all the information they need to be really successful in their first year. Great, and uh, yeah, just from scanning around the room, uh, there's supports in terms of maybe if they need um, support in the academic area, maybe maybe support maybe in kind of career planning. Uh, elaborate a little bit more on some of the services that are available here. Sure. Um, so today on site, we have services from all across the university, including the Division of Student Affairs, which includes everything from financial aid and student awards to hospitality and dining services for students who maybe need an accommodation related to food, um, accessibility services for students who need accommodations through uh, that department. Um, we also have a number of other services present, so including uh, the Human Rights and Equity Office is on site. Uh, to welcome students. Um, so it's really a cast of thousands who are all really excited, especially to see uh, people back on campus after quite the hiatus. Um, so there's a lot of folks out here who are excited to welcome students and here to answer any questions. Well, that's another really major point is, um, you know, going from the hybrid uh, learning and remote learning to essentially, from what I'm gathering, pretty much most everything is going to be back on campus now heading into September. Yeah, we're planning for full on-campus activities this fall and certainly planning for the fact that uh, students who are coming into their first year who have had a very strange past couple of years. Uh, so we're trying to make sure that they feel really well supported uh, this year in particular. That is awesome. And, and as you mentioned, students get to meet their future professors. Um, yeah, no, it's just got to be super exciting uh, for, for a student to be having this experience today. 
Yeah, you could definitely feel the excitement uh, in the biosciences atrium this morning as folks were coming in. Uh, and I think they appreciate the opportunity to get a head start on things and get ready for the fall. Great. Thank you so much, Meg. I appreciate it. I spoke with Associate Chaplain Adam Blumendahl from the Faith and Spiritual Life Office here at Queen's to find out how they help support students. So a big theme of this event, of SOAR, is helping students who are just starting know that there are supports available to help them in their academic journey here at Queen's. Tell me a little bit about how you support students at Queen's. We support students through a various uh, amount of activity where we try to address different concerns like loneliness, career, uh, what's the meaning of life, and different things about like spiritual needs uh, and then also faith uh, needs as well. So if people have like uh, they're wrestling with their particular faith, we can have those conversations in a closed door environment where it's safe and people don't have to feel judged or criticized about what they're believing in or if they're struggling with whatever faith they are a part of. And so we just provide a welcoming open space that uh, allows people to yeah, just feel comfortable and uh, safe. So, yeah, that's our office. Yeah, because that is so important. I mean, school is more than just courses. Yes. There's I have so much personal and spiritual growth that will happen in the four or five years or more that you're at university, yeah. right? And I think one of the things that we do well is we kind of go out of our office into campus and we provide opportunities for people to do button making or uh, magnets and painting rocks and just ways to kind of keep, get people out of their heads a little bit so they can kind of just focus on taking deep breaths and and finding peace really I think is like the big thing. So we're just an office that's uh, just trying to help students feel heard, seen, and loved. Uh, I think that's the big thing is uh, we are, we are a, a a population, a society that's focused on technology, and we do the personal. We like to hit the heart with people, make sure that they're feeling heard and seen and loved. And finally, we get a student perspective. Here is Henry Xu, who will be going into his first year of computing this fall. The SOAR program today, I, I want to know, um, how are you feeling about this? Well, we woke up really early and it was quite the trip to get here. And once we were here, it was very interesting to see all of these different facets that Queen's offers. Especially, I feel like, you know, coming in, there's a lot of stress and there were a lot of, like, you know, challenges I had to somehow deal with. And I, once I saw, like, there were so many opportunities here and so many resources with information, it just, it feels like a heavy burden has been lifted off my shoulders. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So. Uh, how far did you come to get here? So I came from Richmond Hill, and it was uh, quite a long drive. Yeah, uh, the GTA. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, like two, two and a half hour drive, something like that. Yeah. So this event here, I mean, you've had a chance, from what I understand, to um, meet some of your future professors in your program. You've had a chance to uh, visit some of the booths to see some of the supports that are offered to students. Um, what, what sort of are you taking away from this experience going forward? Well, I thought the, uh, what was it called, the, the Athletic Center, the ARC, I think that's what it's called. Um, I found that was really, really cool. It had like five stories and like a lot of fitness equipment. I've, I've just found like, I, I almost see myself going there when come September, right? So that was something that, you know, that really makes me motivated to, to come. 
No, that's great because I mean, you know, it's a huge. Are you just coming straight from high school? Yeah, just graduated this year. Right, so that you're making it, you know, a, definitely a huge step, uh, you know, in, in your life and your studies. Um, so, I guess. It, Basically, from what you're telling me, is you, you're feeling like you're you're ready for this. You're ready to take this on, right? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready, and I feel like you know, if anything comes my way, just like Queens has the resources here and to help me overcome it. So, yeah, it's really great. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Sunday, July 10th was Turtle Awareness Day, with a full day of demonstrations at Doug Fleurer Park, including a chance to discover what it's like to be a turtle. To learn more about turtles, I spoke with Tara Bauer, the director of Turtles Kingston. Kingston. Uh, maybe tell me a little bit about uh, what Turtles Kingston does. Yeah, so Turtles Kingston is um, a community-based conservation organization focused on turtles. And we essentially educate the public and provide them with resources, materials, information in order to go out and help turtles in the community. Um, and one of the reasons that's particularly important in Kingston is because of the mass amounts of turtle habitat that we have within the city limits. And I understand that, um, that just browsing your website, uh, they're considered an at-risk species. I'd like to know more about this. Yeah, so in Ontario, we have eight different turtle species, and every single one of those turtle species is on the at-risk species list. Um, so a species at risk is essentially at risk of becoming endangered or extinct, but there are levels. So a lot of people are familiar with the term endangered, and it can be used um, a little bit incorrectly. Not all turtles are endangered, but they are on that list of, of species that could become endangered. So the ranking kind of starts with species of special concern where their populations are declining. Then you have threatened species, endangered species, extirpated species, which essentially mean they're extinct in some locations but exist other places around the world, and then your extinct species. So our turtles in Ontario are basically species at risk. So they are of special concern, threatened and endangered, depending on which turtle type you're talking about. Now, Turtle Awareness Day is uh, celebrated this Sunday. Um, is there certain things that people really should be thinking about uh, on Turtle Awareness Day? Yeah, so Turtle Awareness Day is a day where we're going out into the community to just increase the awareness. So it's actually following some of the highest nesting season activity that you're gonna see. So June is when all the turtles tend to come out of the water and start being on roads more, start being on people's properties more, and they're nesting to prepare for the, the next generation of turtles. And so it's a great opportunity for us to get out into the community to tell people that even though the nesting season may be winding down, you're not gonna see as many turtles out they're still there. So we have to be cautious when we're driving our cars, particularly when we're doing landscaping and, and things in the sediments and the soils around our homes and our roads, that there are turtle eggs in there and there are turtles still moving around and we wanna make sure that we aren't harming them. What, what should somebody do if say they are driving and they see a turtle crossing the road? Well, firstly, it would be great if you could help it cross the road, but of course, uh, our safety as humans is the most important. So if it's in a safe location where there's a good pull off, you have a safety vest in your car, it's not too busy and you're able to help the turtle cross the road in the direction it was heading, then that can be a big help to make sure that that adult turtle 
doesn't get injured. Um, and this is actually really important because depending on the turtle species, it can actually take up to 60 years for a turtle to what we call replace itself. So they lay eggs every single year, but it may take, take 60 years of their life of laying eggs before one of their little eggs, their little hatchlings, will essentially grow up and create their own eggs. So in a different way of putting it, I was at the Marine Museum doing a presentation and they put it really well. Essentially it takes 60 years for a turtle to become a grandparent, which for an animal is a very long period of time. Wow, that's certainly a fascinating fact. Um, now, this has kind of caught my interest going through your website, uh, turtle trauma. Yes. So we have um, a turtle trauma program that was set up by Maven Armstrong, the previous director administrator of Turtles Kingston. And it is in cooperation with participating vets in the city of Kingston, as well as Sandy Pines Wildlife Center. And the whole point of the uh, program is to actually get turtles that have been hit by cars on the road to a location where they can be rehabilitated. Because unfortunately we have lots of roads crossing important wetlands and habitats for turtles and they're not always seen. And even more unfortunately, we've heard tons of reports of people purposefully hitting turtles. And so it's, it's key for them. They're really hardy species. They can recover. They just need an environment and a little bit of help to recover from some of those major injuries that can happen when they're hit by cars. So this in a similar way to, you know, to if a human experienced a, a trauma in, in a regard like that, um, is, is that what goes into this rehabilitation for turtles? Yeah, essentially. So just like if, you know, humans got in a car accident, you, it, it's a little bit different for a turtle in that you don't call us to come rescue the turtle. We rely on the individuals who find the turtle to rescue it. So they would put it into a container so that they can take it to one of our participating vets the vets would then call us and we get a volunteer driver to transport it to Sandy Pines where they essentially use glue and tape and a bunch of just household objects to help put the turtle back to place. They can give it medication to make sure that it's not feeling pain and they can keep it there for the length of time that it needs to actually recover. You are listening to Citizen K on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and on podcast. I'm Kareem Mosna. Systema Kingston is an after-school music program for marginalized youth that runs from October to May. The organization is funded by grants and donations. Systema just received its largest donation in its history of $533,000 from Bader Philanthropies. According to Systema Kingston director Karma Tom, this multi-year gift creates a measure of stability for the program for the next few years, so we can focus on serving children right now. It also allows us a longer timeline to work on longer-term goals. Here's my full conversation with Karma Tom on Citizen K. Yeah, this is a, a huge donation uh, from uh, Bader Philanthropies. Uh, what was your reaction when you found out they were donating $533,000 to the program. Well, I was, I mean, 
overjoyed, um, incredibly grateful. Like it was just, it was almost too good to be true. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real gift and I'm very honored that, that they feel that this is a program. So this program, uh, basically it's for, you know, marginalized youth, uh, you know, who may not be in a position to af afford traditional music lessons, but this uh, basically is a program that uh, is free of charge to these families. Yes, it is. And that is the intention. Um, I am a musician by training and I've gone through formal training uh, and played professionally. Uh, that kind of access to the amount of uh, training it takes to reach those levels is, is really dependent on you know, disposable income. And I feel that the benefits that music learning provides, whether you go the professional route or not, um, it, it's just so important and it can help with so many life skills and you know your orientation to the world. And I think it's just really unfortunate that so many uh, people don't have access to these. And I'm glad you mentioned so in the joy. sense that this is going beyond just learning you know, to be part of a, uh, to be part of, you know, a, a musical group or just to learn music skills, because this is basically, you know, creativity, uh, as you've mentioned here, uh, just joy, um, you know, to, tell me a little bit more about what it is that you see uh, in the youth that go through this program. You know, well, in, in terms of, you know, perhaps uh, when, when they come in and then when they leave, like, is, is there, a, is there a, a change, a transformation? Well, I think one of the, one of the biggest things is, you know, tapping into one sense of self through um, a collaborative process, a collaborative learning process, the process of putting together a production where the, the, the whole is really greater than the sum of its parts. And, and to go through that process, it, people, young people discover what they're capable of doing, what's possible for them. And a lot of times um, students discover that they can do things that, that had never occurred to them before. And playing an instrument is one of those things. But also, you know, through playing an instrument, you learn to develop really strong listening skills and communication skills, nonverbal communication, and a lot of, so through this, you know, creativity blossoms uh, and students develop confidence. And I think that's a huge piece in this, the confidence to get up in front of other people and do something, it, you know, it's, it's very empowering. Excellent. And basically this donation is now going to allow a, a whole new school board to be included in this. Uh, tell me a little bit about basically now how it's going to expand now to the Catholic school board. Yeah, sure. So we, we've started with the limestone school board in a, a partnership with a, a principal there. And we've been in one school at the limestone board for a number of years. The, the Algonquin Lakeshore Catholic District School Board has expressed interest in our program. 
and we're really excited to start working with them. Um, we're still in discussion about exactly where that's going to take place, so I can't say more about that now, but they've been very open and really excited, so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, and they are, are really committing a, a very deep partnership with us, and I'm excited to see So this is an after-school program. Now, does, does this run specifically in, in that school, basically, who you know, so it, it would, be, would it be there at that school that this would be provided? Yes. So we work with the students who attend the school where we are in residence. Um, and with the, with the Catholic board, we're looking to develop a relationship um, as an extension of learning with them. Um, so it, it will really deepen our relationship with the school. We will work with the classroom teachers. Um, with the children so that there is you know seamless transition and that we are all working together to support children now i also understand that, that queen's students are involved with this program they are and this is a really beautiful mix of how the university and the community can you know work together and learn from one another so the teacher candidates at the Faculty of Education have opportunities to fulfill practicum requirements with our program. They bring, oh, these students don't necessarily have to be music specialists. Um, we've had students who are in the uh, at-risk focus program. We've had students from music backgrounds. We've had students from all different kinds of backgrounds. And they fill. Um, fill a lot of our volunteer roles, but they're more than just volunteers. I mean, they, they come once a week to our program and help with our snack program and our transitions and some of our um, non-musical activities. And they really develop relationships with the students over the course of the year, as opposed to a three-week condensed program. So they're, they're with us for the duration of the year. And they build relationships with the students. And I think one of the important pieces there is that teacher candidates are often working with students in our context uh, who are quite unlike themselves. And so they are able to put their learning into action um, through their coursework, through the term of their Excellent. So definitely benefits uh, to both, uh, to both the youth, but also to to students at Queens who are getting very valuable experience uh, that can certainly help them start their careers as well. Absolutely, and and they bring a, a really amazing energy. Queen students have an amazing energy, and they they take on projects with great enthusiasm, and that enthusiasm and can-do attitude really um, impacts our students and our young students. Great, also. and uh, basically this all ends in a final performance at the Isabel Bader Center. Yes, um, so Trisha Baldwin, director of the Isabel, uh, is a huge supporter of our program and she and her staff have welcomed our students every year. So we started the program in 2015 and we've had a year-end concert there every year that we've been able to, of course, during COVID, we weren't able to do that. Um, and I think it's really important for the, our students to have really high quality experiences. And the Isabel provides that 
watching our students on stage, they, they grow through that experience. And we are really excited that their families all come to the Isabel, come to Queens campus and, um, and you know, become part of our So I'm curious community. to know a little bit more about uh, Bader Philanthropies. Um, as, I mean, a donation this significant. Uh, I'm curious to know uh, perhaps what, uh, you know, a little bit more about them and, and perhaps if, if you have any insight as to the reason why they made such a huge donation. Well, as you likely know, Bader Philanthropies, the Bader family has been affiliated with Queen's Right, with, with, with Bader College many, many in years. England and all that, right? And with the castle, um, also uh, with the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts, they were, you know, instrumental in making that uh, come to reality. They recently made an enormous uh, donation to the Agnes Etherington Art Center. So they they have a long history with Queen's University. And my relationship with them um, actually goes back to a, a meeting with Isabel Bader that I had probably about oh, maybe 10 years ago. Um, and we were talking, she's, she's is a music lover, obviously. And they've, you know, also support the Bader Overton uh, music competitions at the Isabel. I don't know if you're aware of those. Um, so she's a music lover, but also very much focused on inequity and supporting children and, um, you know, creating opportunities for children who don't have access to um, different things. So it was, it was a really good conversation and our program has had support from Beta Philanthropies for the last four years. Um, this donation that has just come in um, is to me like a huge vote of confidence in what we do. So that's, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for this relationship and, um, and through Isabel, I've met uh, many other people who work at the foundation and it's just, it's a wonderful organization. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing this morning. I really appreciate it, Karma. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's all okay, I, uh, that's, it. that's all I really had in mind to ask. Yeah. And... Okay, well, I just, I would like to just, I should say that uh, I feel like Isabel Bader is, is a champion for our program. And that's about all for Citizen K this week. Citizen K airs Tuesdays at 5 here on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and on podcast. Now, did you know you could be a guest on Citizen K? I'm a reporter with the Local Journalism Initiative, and my role here at CFRC is to share stories and perspectives that aren't being covered by all the other media outlets. So perhaps you're working on an interesting initiative, or you've got a unique perspective to share on a, on a larger issue. Well, you know what? You could be on the show. Please send me an email, news at cfrc.ca. would love to connect with you. Also, if you like being up to date on local news, catch daily news briefs every weekday morning at 8 right here on CFRC. And that's all for Citizen K this week. Citizen K was produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at Queen's University. CFRC 101.9 FM broadcasts from Kingston, Ontario on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Thank you for listening. I'm Kareem Mosna. <laughs>